0: Our first scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11 verses 17 to 32. In giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, in order that those who are approved may have become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. And one is hungry, and another is drunk. What, do you not have, ha- have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same manner he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes therefore whoever eats the bread Or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we should not be judged. When we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. Would you also turn then please to Numbers chapter 9. Numbers 9, I'll read verses 1 to 13, uh, sorry, to 14, I believe that is. Um, I'll read 1 to 14, and the uh, text is from verses 1 to 13. Numbers 9, thus the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying... Now let the sons of Israel observe the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month at twilight, you shall observe, observe it at its appointed time. You shall observe it according to all its statutes and according to all its ordinances. So Moses told the sons of Israel to observe the Passover. And they observed the Passover in the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, in the wilderness of Sinai. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses so the sons of Israel did. But there were some men who were unclean because of the dead person so that they could not observe Passover on that day. So they came before Moses and they are on on that day. And those men said to him, though we are unclean because of the dead person Why are we restrained from presenting the offering of the Lord at its appointed time among the sons of Israel? Moses therefore said to them, Wait, and I will listen to what the Lord will command concerning you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If any one of you or your generations becomes unclean because of a dead person or is on a distant journey, he may, however, observe the Passover to the Lord. In the second month, on the fourteenth day at twilight, they shall observe it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break a bone of it. According to all the statute of the Passover, they shall observe it. But the man who is clean and is not on a journey, and yet neglects to observe the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people for he did not present the offering of the Lord at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. And if an alien sojourns among you and observes the Passover to the Lord, according to the statute of the Passover and according to its ordinance, so he shall do. You shall have one statute, both for the alien and for the native of the land. Covenant people of God, the Lord has given us sacraments, in our case, Lord's Supper and Baptism, in the case of the Old Testament saints, the Passover and circumcision, respectively. He has given those sacraments as a means of grace, and they should be used as such. Neglect or abuse of any means of grace is a serious thing. And when we understand why, when we when we understand why it is that the Lord has given us these things, why he's given us means of grace and what that means, then that should not only help to strengthen us against any wrong approach to the Lord's Supper or to any sacrament, to either sacrament, but also it ought to strengthen us for positively upholding the sacraments. Two points. First of all, the rule of the Passover And secondly, as we look at this Old Testament sacrament, the exceptions to the rule of the Passover. The rule of the Passover and then the exceptions to it. In the first place, the background to the rule of the Passover is Exodus chapter 12. And uh, you know that that sacrament in its origins, the sacrament of the Passover, was very much related to that last plague that came upon Egypt, that God brought upon Egypt, the uh, plague that came upon the firstborn of every household in which all of those houses, uh, at midnight the firstborn died, except for those houses where the the blood of the lamb was daubed on the doorposts. And for those houses, those that had that blood on the doorposts, the angel of the Lord uh, God himself in his judgment passed over the, uh, that household in his judgment. As you also know, I'm sure this is a type or a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, whose blood now causes the judgment, the wrath of God in his just and righteous anger against our sins. The blood of the Lamb of God causes God in his judgment to pass over those who are in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have faith and who believe in him. In the Old Testament this resulted this uh, ceremony resulted in a ceremony that pointed forward to the Lord Jesus Christ it resulted in a ceremony involving uh, the eating of lamb with uh, bitter herbs and also with unleavened bread the celebration of the Passover Now the problem was that even though Exodus 12 verse 14 stated that this was to be a memorial feast as a permanent ordinance It appeared that there was a kind of loophole for those who who like to look for such things. You can always find loopholes if you look for them. But um, in this case, there were some who felt there was a loophole in that particular command. Exodus 12 verses 25 to 27 said that there was a command to celebrate the sacrament at the time when Israel would arrive in the Promised Land and the loophole was this did that mean that the people were to keep on celebrating the passover sacrament right up until the time when they arrived in the promised land when they got there they were to celebrate it and to keep on celebrating it for the rest of the old testament time or did it mean that they were to uh, to put off the celebration of the sacrament and not to bother about doing it at all in the wilderness with all of the stresses and the trials and the problems that came in the wilderness, to put that off until more settled times, the time of peace, the time when God had finished delivering them, when they finally arrived in the promised land. That was the issue before them. And the answer, in answer to that, the Lord made it clear through Moses that the Passover was not normally to be put off, even with all of the stresses and the disruptions and the problems that were associated with wandering in the wilderness, even with those kind of things going on around them and when when life is hard and when there are afflictions of that time, that uh, kind, it's very, very easy to be distracted and to feel that we we shouldn't be... um, bothering about some of these religious exercises to put those kind of things off but no, even in all the difficulties of the wilderness wanderings let the sons of Israel observe the Passover at its appointed time the 14th day of the first month of the Jewish calendar which is roughly between March and April on our calendar in the evening or at twilight as Exodus 12 verse 18 commanded And as you look at our text in Numbers 9, you find that this word observe is used right throughout the passage. It's used frequently, some ten times, and the expression at its appointed time used four times. The clear emphasis of this passage, this sacrament, the Passover, was to be celebrated, it was to be observed in a most uh, zealous and faithful manner in a regular manner at the appointed time, just as God had commanded. And they were not to let these other things put them off. That's the clear emphasis here in this text. It was obviously a very important thing which they were to make sure that they observed. Now, as we know, the Lord's Supper is roughly equivalent to the Old Testament sacrament of the Passover. Though there are differences, there are similarities and there are differences. There are differences because the Lord Jesus Christ has come in fulfilment of that typology of all that stood for and represented. We now have bread and wine as the elements. Uh, It doesn't involve the sacrificing of an animal, a lamb, as in the Old Testament. It is something uh, the elements are now non-bloody elements. Bread and wine that signify and seal the covenant promises of God, the deliverance that we have through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. But as with the Old Testament, so the New Testament does actually stress the great importance of observing the sacrament at the proper times. And we find that indicated in 1 Corinthians 11, the other passage that we read, As often as you do this, do it in remembrance remembrance of me. As often as you do this. That is the New Testament equivalent of what we find in our passage with the Old Testament Passover, that uh, you do this, you observe this at the appointed time. The difference is that the church today has given more flexibility as to precisely when that time is and how often we celebrate the sacrament. We're given more flexibility with that but one thing that does not change is that there is this emphasis on observing it at the proper time as often as you do it. You are to do it and to do it in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now as with all of the commands of God and uh, this included too we don't say that we should obey that command, that we should do this, that we, as often as we do it, we should be here at the table. Communicant members in good standing should be here at the table. Uh, we don't say that simply because there's a command and this is a bare duty that we must obey, as with any of the other commands of God. It is a matter not only of duty and obedience to that duty, but it's not a cold sense of duty, it's not bare duty, it is a duty that is coupled with the love of God. It is a duty that is coupled with love of the will of God and a delight to please Him. It is a doing of duty, it is an obedience that is coupled with gratitude for all of the grace that God has shown to us. And so we want to do that which pleases the Lord. Uh, When I was uh, in uh, primary school um, many years ago we had uh, regular assemblies. I used to hate them. They had little dots on the ground and you had to make sure you stood on the dots so that everybody was properly spaced evenly and uh, there were all sorts of little rules and regulations. You weren't allowed to line up your position by going like this on the shoulders of the person in front and the teacher would come along and your hand was had to be put down and they tended to be long and drawn out and rather tedious. I used to hate gathering at those appointed times but I did it I did it out of a sense of duty and out of fear of the consequences. But how coming to the Lord's table is not to be like that? Doing something tedious and rather long and drawn out out of a mere sense of duty it ought to be something that we desire and love to do for the reasons I mentioned. Even more than that it ought to arise out of the fact that uh, we see the value of what the sacrament means, what it teaches us. When we we understand fully or as fully as we are able the meaning of the sacrament, that it is telling us about our deliverance from, from death, from eternal death, from spiritual death through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ when we understand that it is telling us about the covenant mercy and the covenant blessings and the covenant relationship that God has established with us, and all of the benefits that come to that because God has sworn on oath in his own name that he will bless his people in Jesus Christ. When we understand those things, what it means, then again, how could we not want to come and take part and desire from the heart to come and take part in that which tells us of these great truths, things that are so important and so vital to us. And even more than that, when we understand God's purpose for giving us sacraments, when we understand that he, he gives us the Lord's Supper and also baptism as he gave the people in the Old Testament, the Passover and circumcision. He gives these things in order to teach us about Jesus Christ. That's God's purpose, to teach us about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ for us, to teach us about our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. His purpose in giving sacraments is not only to teach us, but also to assure us in these things and to reassure us because we're constantly a people who give way to doubt. And this is given to us to help us deal with our doubts and to shore us up, to reassure us as we struggle with those things. And it's given in a way that really drives it home, drives it home through our senses as we uh, take part. In the sacrament. So, these are the reasons when you understand those things why it's not just a matter of duty. That's not why we come not near duty, but uh, because we really want to. Uh, likewise, it should not be out of mere custom, it should not be out of superstition. As if the sacrament is somehow going to wipe out all of our sins as long as we come to the sacrament. It doesn't matter if we have faith in Christ. It doesn't matter if we repent of our sins. As long as we sit there, our sins will be wiped away. No, that's superstition and we don't come because of superstition. Nor is it some idea that the, the sacrament is a higher level religious experience that is somehow going to give us something that the Holy Spirit can't give us through the word of God. No, we come to the Lord's Supper and observe the sacrament regularly out of delight in God's will, out of gratitude for the Lord Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation, and to be strengthened in what the Word of God already teaches us. There were, however, some exceptions that were allowed to this rule of regular attendance at the appointed time in the Old Testament and we look at those as our second and final point. One of those exceptions was where somebody was ceremonially or ritually unclean uh, that, for example, would come if you touched something that, according to the ceremonies, you were not allowed to touch, like a dead animal, for example, or a dead person. If you touched something unclean or if you profaned something that was holy that you used something, say, from the temple for a common use. Uh, those kind of things, or from the tabernacle. Those kind of things could make a person unclean. You, it might be good to open your Bibles to Leviticus 7, verse 21. And uh, here we read what... Uh, uncleanness, this kind of ritual contamination, could do to a person. And when anyone touches anything unclean, whether human uncleanness or an unclean animal or any unclean detestable thing, and eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings which belong to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. That is a, a very serious consequence. Not only Leviticus 7.21, but that's the situation in Numbers 9. These men who have touched a dead body and who cannot attend the Passover. The men who are barred from the Passover for touching that dead body ask a legitimate question. They ask Moses, is this ban final? Are we never going to be able to go to the Passover again? And Moses has to inquire of the Lord of that and he's told that they may, no, not not only may, they must attend the Passover, but they are to do so one month later according to all the statutes and ordinances. Now the significance of that, that one month delay, is that it leaves time for these people, these men, to be ritually or ceremonially purified, going to the priest, as Numbers 19 would later lay down the instructions on that and tell them how. Go to the priest and be uh, sprinkled with uh, water and the ashes of the red heifer, which the priest had burned along with cedar wood, hyssop and scarlet material, Uh, another type or foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, which purifies us from all defilement and sin. Now, that has implications for us, that Old Testament ceremony. And these details, they have significance for us. One thing that this whole situation with ceremonial contamination is telling us, and there were so many different ways that you could get that in the Old Testament. It was just about impossible to avoid it in some way. And what that's telling us is that uh, sin so easily comes to us and contaminates and defiles us that for the natural man it is an inescapable part of life and therefore all of us as defiled by sin we don't actually deserve for one moment to be sitting here at the Lord's table. Not a single one of us comes here as worthy partakers, as if we've somehow been able to deal with our sin uh, by ourselves and get those things set right, and of course there are other people who don't, but we've been able to, so we're able to come here to the table because we're good enough. No, we're all defiled by sin, and the only way that we can come to this table is to be made, made, made worthy partakers, accounted worthy partakers, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfills the red heifer ordinance to come through him through the one who is far more effective and far better than the ashes of a red heifer burnt with cedar and hyssop and so on. The second implication is that even those who are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ it may still have times when we, are, we either have to keep ourselves from the table or have to be kept from the table. Self-examination, to which we've been called and are called. Also, church discipline at times may reveal unrepented sinning in our lives, reveal not the sin that is always there, but Lord willing, Lord, we pray against our will, but may reveal these things may reveal sins that are present with our will, that we've really embraced and are not letting go of. Uh, Those kind of things come out with self-examination and they come out with church discipline. It can also be that there is broken fellowship with a brother or sister that we have not tried to mend. We know that we are estranged, we know that there is sin involved and we have not tried to mend it then we ought to keep ourselves from the supper, lest we eat and drink judgment to ourselves, as 1 Corinthians 1127 to 29 says, or in some instances, we may need to be kept from the table, as for example in 1 Corinthians 5, with the uh, man there in the incestuous relationship. But the implication of our text in these kind of situations is very clear, That the burden on the unclean person, the burden lies upon the unclean person, the one who sees these kind of situations, uh, becomes aware of them. The burden is on the unclean person to resolve these matters. He's given time for that. So that he may go to the priest and get the uncleanness sorted out in the Old Testament as we also are given time to deal with the contaminating effect of sin in our lives. When we become aware of that, God gives us time to deal with it. And the burden lies upon us to seek his help to deal with it. We can't do it by ourselves in our own strength, but the burden lies upon us to seek his help for that so that we don't miss out on the sacrament for long. So that... We don't miss out on the sacrament forever. Purification is to be sought and it is to be sought actively and it is to be sought zealously by the sinner. Not by the ashes of the red heifer but by the better way through the Lord Jesus Christ coming to him for forgiveness coming for forgiveness through his blood and with a humble spirit of repentance. That's what the, the method of dealing with sin that is available and open to us freely from God's part, open to us today. Sin should never be allowed, congregation, to keep us from the table for long. If we stay away from the table because of our sins, if we have to do that. If we have to be kept back from the table by the elders, on behalf of the church, by silent censure, by discipline, then we ought to regard that. We ought to regard it positively, actually. We ought to realise that this is the grace of God giving us time to deal with the matter so we can come back. If I can put it this way, we are we're given time to stay away from the table so that we can come back to the table. There's a second situation where one might be kept from the Passover, and that's when someone was on a long journey away from Jerusalem. In other words, when circumstances prevented one from attending the sacrament. And here again, there's a one-month delay given to give time for the traveller to return, and when he gets back one month later to celebrate the Passover following all the other ordinances that God had laid down. And uh, this was understanding and compassion on the Lord's part that he recognised that there were times when circumstances would get in the way. But he made provisions so that those circumstances would not be a standing excuse. There is only provision, you will note, for one month delay. Not for six months, not for a year, not for two years, only for one month. Well, you see, the people knew very well what time of the year and when the Passover was to be celebrated. They knew that in advance. They could work it out. They could plan their journeys. They could plan their business dealings, generally speaking, uh, so that if there was going to be a delay, it wouldn't be for very long. And at the worst, come back a month later. So there was uh, no excuse there for uh, ongoing neglect. Note also that the one who did neglect the Passover, the one who had no excuse, who willfully neglected it, that person was to be cut off, which means either exile or execution, and they would bear their sin, showing very serious consequences, not upon those who are prevented by circumstances or by sin as such, but for willful neglect or for willful abuse of the sacrament, those who could attend and chose not to, those who could sort out their circumstances, those who could deal with their sins, but they didn't get around to it or they couldn't be bothered. Those who neglect the means of grace and uh, therefore those who are taking lightly God's giving of the means of grace, his purpose, his provision, and everything that that means, those who neglect these things are taking those things in vain. The purpose and the meaning, what God has provided, his grace. Now, congregation, the Lord is certainly merciful in supplying us with means of grace like the Lord's Supper. He is certainly merciful in giving us time to deal with any barriers to the celebration of the sacrament. But let us not presume upon his grace. Now we could say to ourselves, a man could say to himself, oh, the Lord's gracious, he, he allowed a one-month delay, so it's not a big deal if I sin and miss out on the Lord's Supper from time to time. You could argue that way legalistically if you wanted to. Or you could say, the, the Lord is gracious, he allows a one-month delay for people who are away on journeys. So it doesn't matter if I miss the Lord's Supper because I want to visit some friends or I want to visit some relatives in another congregation or whatever else it may be. We can argue that way, or we can say, the Lord obviously regards the sacrament as a weighty thing. And he is displeased by any kind of willful neglect we can say and we should say to ourselves, the Lord has filled the sacrament with such meaning and with such purpose that I do not want to miss it even once. And if I must stay away, well, that is only in order to come back. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, would you help us to take the sacrament seriously rather than to profane it by a casual approach? And similarly, Father, with the other aspects of worship that we are engaged in today, would you enable us to concentrate, to to receive in faith the grace that you extend to us through these means? Father, would you remove any hindrance, such as uh, distraction or uh, tiredness, or inner turmoil, or whatever else it may be. And Father, when sin is the barrier, would you enable us to repent, to seek forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we may once again partake of the sacrament and be blessed as we do so. We pray it in his name. Amen.